Welcome back to Trip Talk Tech. We got a treat for y'all today. We get to chop it up with an inspirational author, award-winning, nationally broadcasted journalist. But the reason I, I'm, I'm a little geeked about today because I think I guess from my generation, I can speak for my generation, I can't speak for everybody, but the people that I came up with, I would like to consider her a pioneer in just women in tech. And I, I, I just, I, I salute you on that, me being in tech. Uh, always watch you from afar uh, and, and, and just salute you on that. So just help me walk to the show. Longtime friend, Crystal Berger. <laughs> How you been there? Thanks for coming <laughs> on the show. I am so excited to be here. I'm like giddy because I'm like, man, we were in elementary school together. Right, right, you know? right. Yeah, it's crazy how life, you know, it comes full circle. So I'm I'm honored to be here joining with you and thank you um, for having me. Appreciate you. It, it's so crazy because it's like I'm geek because I get to interview the interviewer, right? I, I, I see <laughs> I see you from afar and you see that thing, but you know, we, we like to give our guests their roses while they're here. And, and one thing I like to say about Crystal is just outside of the, the A-list is that you I can go on and on and on of the people that you, you, you've interviewed and, and touched. But I think when I realized that, like, you know, Crystal really, really doing something out here is not only in the community, because I think you would come back to Baltimore all the time and, and, and have things for the, our young men. Um, youth in general, but uh, especially the young men and, and the fathers. You 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 had programs get around, you know, to the fathers. I really thought that was dope. But uh, outside of that, I remember when Baltimore was in its uprise, and the Freddie Gray. We had the whole Freddie Gray incident going on, and you know everybody pictured us and painted people from Baltimore as just you know tough and and just don't care about our neighborhoods and things like that, but you know, working at Fox News, and, and, and we, we, we understand this, you know, the slide that, that Fox News get now with, with the whole President Trump thing before, but working at a network with that kind of criticism at the time, and they were coming with, with, to me, when you were on those panels, like kind of supporting their, their narrative of Baltimore, but you always stood up. And, and, and try to change that narrative, try to get them to understand what we saw, um, what we grew up with, our reality. And, you know, it was lucky if some of us got out of that that reality. And I think you always stressed that. You always gave a different look. But then you also gave resolution. Like, you didn't just leave it as, hey, this is the problem. This is Baltimore, Baltimore trash. It's, these are the issues, but this is how we can fix it. And then in those mm -hmm. conversations, they always back out and yeah, all right, all right, all right, Crystal, we leave you alone. But, you know, I, I, I just, like I said, I, I just think mm -hmm. you already been stand up for our city, um, especially on that stage that you have. And, and, and like I said, salute, I just, I thank you. I'm sure the city don't even know they thank you, but you know, <laughs> that's dope. 
No, I, I appreciate that, Keith, because I think that that's the thing. You know, I think we don't really realize a lot of times we can be selfish in our own bubbles. Um, and then we have to really think about why we're positioned in a certain space. And I knew that, you know, coming from Baltimore, West Baltimore, going into the number one market, being the only black woman in my newsroom for a decade, um, I was there for a reason, right? And yeah. it's funny that you mentioned the Freddie Gray um, whole you know, it started like a movement as well. Um, yeah. But I remember being in the newsroom and we were covering, um, and it was every network. It wasn't just Fox, it was CNN, MSNBC. All oh, you right. saw was the one um, CVS that was burning on um, North Avenue, right? Mm -hmm. And I and I was like, my city is bigger than this. And, and I know that this is not the sum total of everything, you know? And I remember mm -hmm. I actually, Instead of taking the train down from New York to Amtrak, I took the bus because I wanted to see all of this devastation. Mm -hmm. You know, so I came down and I'm like, wait a minute, I don't see nothing but one thing burnt down, you know? Um, and I remember exactly. calling my managing editor, Keith, and I was like, hey, listen, we need to tell the story. And I was like, I have no problem with telling it from the right, but we also got to tell it from the left. And we have to really have this true, fair and balanced conversation. So I did a special. Mm -hmm. on you know uprising in baltimore and it was one of the best specials that we did and i just felt honored because i know that if i hadn't been in that newsroom right no matter what happen. people think of, it wouldn't happen you know it wouldn't happen so i thank you for acknowledging that and it was like i feel like still one of my greatest um accomplishments being at the network for sure definitely yeah and like i said that's that's when i knew like okay it, it, it just wasn't it, it wasn't just about a career right it, it, mm. it wasn't just about you you know we all advance and again i'm still rooting for you you know your brother you know we we all every everybody you know we, we root for everybody that kind of get out but like i said that was a little different that that showed again that this was bigger than you you know this this was bigger than the cause and then it, it, it's crazy because i look at that connection back to your book right that that's 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 what you're saying back in the book the same message so Again, if, if you haven't realized that, I'm sure it's your life, but, you know, just looking at it, you know, you're, you're really mm -hmm. living that, what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting, right? You know, like, I, <laughs> I, I, you know, I remember being growing up in the rec centers, right, because my parents were divorced and my mom worked 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. So, like, the rec centers were, like, my babysitters, you know, and so I was mm -hmm. at Fred B. Lattic, I was out Cherry Hill, I was at Lakeland, and, you know, like them ladies, they ain't play. Like it wasn't no faking. Like you could be dolled up, you could whatever, right? You could have one of your Reeboks and your bamboos, but at the end of the day, you still you, you know? And I, I think it would just be a disservice to a lot of my mentors like Sharon Bogues, Linda Davis. I mean, a lot of these people um, who don't, people don't even know who they are. Right. Nope, nope. But, you know, you know, Tracy, a step, all these people, my mom, you know, like all of these people mm -hmm. were in the backgrounds making us be accountable for who we are. And so right. to like think that you can leave that and be unattached to it is just very inauthentic to me. And I, it's just mm -hmm. not how I was raised. And so I just felt like even in I knew that going into news is a career, but it wasn't about that. It was really about the access to opportunities, to information, to people, so that I could then bring that back and 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 make some level of a difference in my own way in the community. And so, yeah, I kind of think about it, right? It's just like, this is what yeah. you do, you know? Because that's what they did for us, right? You played ball right. in the centers and stuff. Like, you exactly. knew that, okay, if you cut up, it wasn't just about you no being ball. a right? <laughs> Like, uh. you know, you know, you won't be someone to pull up on you like, Trip, what you doing? <laughs> you know? 
And you're going to practice. And you're doing layups. (laughs) And you ain't playing. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Speaking about coming up, like that that dream about, you know, being a a journalist. Like, where, where did that come from? Cause you was always tall, you know. You can hoop, I, you know. I I see you hooping a little bit, so you know. <laughs> a little something. I wasn't good, don't keep. I wasn't good. You know what I'm saying? I was. I wasn't real good at eating. Back, back, but see, see, back at Fred B. Live, you can block my shot. I was like, this is two, true. Two, two foot tall, and you was like five. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, so you know, you know the real. That's what I'm saying. People know the real story, right? Keep the real story. <laughs> Man, listen, I I realized early that you know, once some girls start getting rough around middle school, and like they like, like, playing with the elbows, and I was like, oh no, nah, this, ain't, this ain't this ain't it for me, you know. Um, but you know, it's funny. Very early on, um, I always knew like I had a you know, and you know, from being in the centers, I used to like to dance, being in talent shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't until high school when Teen Summit um, came on. And, you know, I was always tall and skinny. So I wasn't like the pick of the, of the dudes, right? Like, you know what? Yeah. I had a little cute little black girl shape and all of that. It's fine. I know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, <laughs> you know, but I, I mean, in, in essence, I, you know, I, I had my own um, issues, you know, with that. But mm-hmm. I didn't really realize that I could do like be on TV until um, I saw Teen Summit and Ananda Lewis came on and she was brown and she was mm-hmm. like skinny, you know. And I was like, damn, like okay, you know, I, if she's doing it, I can do it. And I remember, okay. you know, when um she interviewed um I think it was Tupac. And I was like crazy Tupac fan, you know. And I was like, "Yo, this is what I want to do. If I can interview Tupac, I want to." I'm good. <laughs> you know, so that that was the first that was the first introduction to like, okay, what is this, you know? And I wrote in my journal when I was like 14 or 15, I want to be like that girl on BET. I didn't even know it was a journalist wow. or a host. I just knew it was it was something that I that I really wanted to do. Wow! Wow! Yeah. And- and like now, like like I said, I mean, I, I've seen your interviews or heard your interviews, Ricky Smiley, the Russell Westbrooks, Enos Cannon. I mean, the list go on and on and on and on. I mean, Stephen Covey, I, I was like, oh, okay, you know, the big time. <laughs> but do, do you ever go back sometimes and just, just kind of like pinch yourself at night? Like, mm. you know, this this is really happening. Like, this, mm. this, is, this is real. I think what kind of solidified it for me, um, I was hosting an event at the United Nations headquarters in New York. Mm. And um, it was for literal kings and queens from around the world, right? Called Voices of African Mothers. And the princess of Saudi Arabia came up to me. She had diamonds like the size of my fist or whatever. And she walked up to me and she was like, you are absolutely amazing. And I was like, yo, I'm from West Baltimore. (laughs) 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 And and it was like I had this outer body experience like, wow, I'm really here, you know, with royalty. And um, I think that was the biggest moment for me because, you know, I had on like a gold dress and I was like hosting Mm -hmm. and people wanted to talk to me and they were just like, oh, the work you're doing at the network is amazing. And and I was just like, this is like not even real, you know. So I think that was my biggest pinch myself moment because one thing with like interviewing, like, and I mean, I I have really interviewed some of the biggest names in in, in, uh, entertainment, sports, media, um, 
I always like to look at people's stories because, you know, it's like their accolades are one thing, right? You could read about those all day, every day. But like when mm -hmm. you really get into the story of somebody, it's like that's what makes them amazing, you know? And exactly. so, yeah, so I think that um, I haven't had that many pinch myself moments because it's just like when you're going, you're just in it and you got to make it happen. But I think that UN that UN event, I was like, this is un, you know, this is unbelievable. So yeah, I've wow. pinched myself a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> it, so if I'm out there and I want to be a journalist, like I'm 15 and I got that same dream, like like Crystal, how do how do I go about it? Is it college? Is it I, can I go a different route with all of these media outlets? Mm -hmm. What's available um, to? Yeah, I mean, that's a great, great question, because um, I think that the traditional route or entry into media is different, you know, than what it was 10, 15, even 20 years ago. Right. So some people can take the traditional route like you can um, you can go to college, you can intern at a local station, you know, network as much as possible. I think the consistent theme of what I'm going to say is always networking, you know, no matter which route you take, because they say, you know, your network, your network determines your net worth. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, um, but you can go to college, you can intern at a local station, um, and then kind of work your way up through the markets, right? And and, and be go to whatever market you want to land in, right? So that's one way. Right. Um, the other way is you can be like a content creator, right? Um, so many platforms, especially because of COVID, they look for independent content creators um, to contribute to their platform. So if you can do the multimedia piece, meaning you can edit, you can write, you can book your own guests, and you can can host the content and package it and then um, like position it with a network or a platform or partner. That's another mm -hmm. way. Um, okay. But, you know, my route was so non-traditional. Like when I got out of college, um, I was a high school English teacher in D.C. for a couple of years. Then I went to mm -hmm. law school for a year. Then I had a business. So my journey wow. was all over the place um, because, you know, I didn't have those mentors. Right. And so I think that mm -hmm. that theme of networking and mentorship is is critical because if I had someone um, to mentor me, maybe my journey would have been shorter, right? I don't think it would have been better, right? But it probably <laughs> would have been shorter, you know, because for me, um, the way I got into this is crazy. And I think this is the other route and like just doing it. Um, I was taking a business planning class uh, in, in Baltimore at this time. I was unemployed. I had just mm. failed out of law school. I had like 32 cents in the bank. I was living with my father, my Jaguar. I got just repossessed. All whatever you could think of was happening in my life. It's happening, huh? It was happening, right? It wasn't looking cute at all. And um, mm. I was taking, I was on unemployment. You know, I was on unemployment. And a guy who sat next to me in this program, because it was called Women Entrepreneurs of Baltimore, but it was for minority business owners. He came in and he was like, Crystal, you know, you're an attractive young woman. Um, um, he was starting a digital online magazine, right? Okay. And so he says um, to me, he says, I, I got an interview with some of the Baltimore Ravens and I need someone to go host it. I'll be the camera guy. I just need you to do it. And I was like, well, they're rich and I'm broke and I want to do this anyway, so why not? Right? <laughs> so, so I went down to um, Full Moon Barbecue, um, you know, Ray Lewis's old spot. My okay. very first interview was with Ray Lewis. Um, so I'm sitting there, no experience, Keith. You can Google it. I think that that interview has like 100,000 views on it or something at this wow. point. Yeah, and um, I was interviewing an MV, a, you know, a Super Bowl MVP as my first interview, and wow. you know, 
I remember doing it and thinking, I'm really messing up. But also, I was like, yo, this is it. Like, this is what I wanted to do since I was 15. And this is why everything else hasn't worked out. So from Mm -hmm. there, all the other ravens started hitting me like, hey, I'm having this sickle cell awareness event. I'm having this private event. Come host it, come host it. So I started hosting. Yeah, all of these events. And um, I remember saying to myself, well, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. You know, um, mm-hmm. and I looked at um, trying to get internships, but at this point, I had been out of college so long that everybody was saying, Well, Crystal, you need to be getting college credit for this. So I found mm-hmm. a local broadcasting school. They're no longer open, but the Broadcasting Institute of Maryland, BIM, mm-hmm. went to them. So I was going to BIM in the daytime. Uh, I'm sorry, I was running my business in the daytime. I was going to BIM midday. So I would go to BIM from uh four to seven and then i would leave there and i would mm-hmm. intern at wjz at night in their sports department because their sports department was one the only department that was running content that late so i was in there cutting tape with mark viviano and mm-hmm. all of this kind of stuff it was crazy man but i was having like 14 hour days but i knew that's what i needed to do to make it happen and um once i finished my internship i was like yo i'm going to either New York, LA, or Chicago, the top three markets. And so I just started hounding people out at networks in those three markets and it just opened Boom. up, you know, for Fox. Yeah, man. So that's what that's what's up. And, and like you said, you now you went down that journey and you know, you you got to a point in life where you felt like, you know, like what else could go wrong? But <laughs> you know, one part about that is you know sometimes in those moments like you're saying that's where you birthed this you know what I'm saying? you know it, it came right out of it and like you said and and you knew with certainty it sounded like mm. after that time too mm. it wasn't it wasn't no more with you know lawyer this that the third it was you know this this is mm. where i'm at and you know mm. that's just a good point I, I don't want people to miss like you know how did how how was that feeling when you probably got mm. to that lowest point can can you in in words even describe that? Absolutely, it was suicidal. Like it was traumatic. You know, like it was mm-hmm. like yo. You know, um, I I want something different from my life. You know, um, mm-hmm. I don't want to struggle. You know, I don't want to be a single mother. I don't want to figure out be living check to check. You know, mm-hmm. like all of that was happening in my life, and you know, um. Like I said, I was living with my dad for the first time, like, since I was a little girl, since I was, like, seven. And so I was, like, healing from a lot of that, you know. And mm-hmm. I just remember laying in a bed in tears. And I'm going to tell you, it was the journal. Like, that journal, Keith, like, I remember mm-hmm. flipping through my journal because I was, like, I ain't really for being here on Earth in this space, right? <laughs> like, I ain't really here for being, you know, on the planet in this space. And I remember flipping through my journal, and mm-hmm. I read those words on that paper about what I really wanted to do with my life, you Mm -hmm. know, and I cried, like I cried and I probably cried for like a week. And then, you know, the guy came in the class and it was like, God just opened it up for for me to do that. And so, um, I I mean, it, it, it's a thing of, we, we look to do what makes sense, right? Oh, well, Mm -hmm. if you're going to be a teacher, you're going to get a check. And it's nothing wrong with being a teacher if that's what you love doing. Like, if that's what you're committed to doing and you're passionate about it and this is your purpose, then that's one thing. But, you know, do it, right? But if you Mm -hmm. know you have a unique gift, like, I believe that I was created, you know, tall and brown for a reason, right? Being different, Mm -hmm. standing out, right? And it wasn't just being a classroom, you know? And so it was one of those moments as well 
Keith, where I had to just really look inside of myself and be like, yo, what were you gifted to do? Like, I remember being a little girl and even at Beachfield, I wrote my first book <laughs> in Beachfield. You know, I used to write plays. I always loved writing. It was something I did, you know, um, mm -hmm. in my journal when my parents, it was just something that came to me naturally. I remember my friends would come to me and write their essays in college. And so I was like running from something that I was already like innately created to do. You know, mm -hmm. and so I think that whole moment, like, though it was low, it was like, do you believe in yourself enough to know that you can make anything happen that you desire to happen? You know, mm -hmm. and once I started to believe that, I started to attract that, right? And I think when we're on our journeys to live in our purpose, if you don't fully believe that you can make happen the thing that you dream about doing, you'll never attract it in its fullness, you know, nope. once you start rocking out like, yo, I really can do this. Like, I'm really amazing. I can, I'm going to make it happen. You'll attract every single opportunity that you deserve and that you desire. And so for me, you know, though it was a low moment, like I was depressed, I was sad, I was losing weight, mm -hmm. all of that. But even in that, I still realized that I had something that I needed to give to the world. And so, um, you know, to sum this up, you know, this part of the conversation, you know, one of my favorite um, quotes that I have for myself is, you know, your process perfects your purpose, right? And so you can go through all of these different experiences and all these different journeys, but remember that every part of your process is going to make your purpose even better, you know? And so that, yeah. that, that for me is kind of where I am with it. Yeah. And that experience. <clears throat> And like I was saying earlier, it sounds like all of those experiences tie right back to your book. And <laughs> and, and, and and again, did that just that's why you became the author or was it mm. just, you know, you start looking over those memoirs and like, man, you know, let me let me share this story. Yeah, it, it was just that exactly what you just said. Um, I had gotten asked to speak at a conference because um, I never had like a desire to be like a published author. Like that wasn't like something I wanted to do on my to do list. Um, mm -hmm. But um, I had gotten asked to do this conference of like yeah. 2000 women and the conference coordinator. She said, well, Crystal, will you be selling anything? And I was like, well, I guess I'm be selling something. Right. And I didn't know what it was I was going to be selling. Right? <laughs> so thought about it, thought about it, you know, and um. I remember, again, I've always been a journaler, right? So I remember writing in my journal. And as I'm writing in my journal, Keith, I'm like having this epiphany. And um, it's crazy. Um, I started flipping back through old entries. And I was looking at some of the experiences that I had growing up. And I was like, well, what would I have told the 15-year-old Crystal or the 20-year-old Crystal or the 25-year-old Crystal? And I was like, yo. This is what I would have did. And so I took like different things from my journey and kind of just summed up pieces of my story and then just like gave myself advice, you know, so that and in, in writing it, I thought I was just writing it for like younger women because that's what the conference was for. Mm -hmm. But, you know, um, I've had everyone at my uncle. He's 75 Vietnam vet struggled with addiction. And, you know, mm -hmm. one day he pulled me up at the cookout and was like, you know, baby girl, your book really inspired me in some of my toughest times. Oh. And yeah, man. And so um, it really was just like, you know, what do you tell people when they low, you know, or when they can't figure it out? And, you know, being able to be something that people could put in their back pocket, throw it in their book bag, you know, pull it out, kind of like, you know, break in case of emergency kind of situation. <laughs> yeah, that that's how it came about. And um, 
you know, I, I don't read it often. Like I probably read my mm-hmm. book maybe three times, but every time I read it, I'm like, wow, you know, you've come a long way and mm-hmm. and everything was for a reason, <laughs> you know, everything. Definitely. For a mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And I agree with you. I, I think, like you said, I think that might've been your target audience, but to your point, I, I think it's relatable from a standpoint it's life, right? We all go through those mm. times where, I mean, I, I read the first part and it's just like hit home because you, you go through those periods where, you know, everybody else seems to see everything you do so great and everything should be so, you know, whatever. <laughs> and for whatever reasons, you know, for whatever, you know, your internals just, just not there. And I think to kind of know somebody else was there and then kind of the steps they took, I, I think definitely that'll, that'll be helpful. So. See, again, you, there, you, there you go, giving back, giving back. <laughs> now, look, you know what I, I think? Huh? Go ahead, go, no, ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know, I think also one of the things, too, right, working in TV and in media, radio, uh, even in film, you realize that most of this stuff isn't real. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's what people make it out think to be. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and, 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 mm-hmm. now go, 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 go. No, and I think just being able to know, like, like I think making that bridge for people, right? Because people will see a certain lifestyle and they'll think it's unattainable, but they don't know the backstory, you know, mm-hmm. of this person. They only see the glitz. They only see the, the sexy parts of their life. And it's like, man, you know, before J-Lo was J-Lo performing at the at the Super Bowl, J-Lo was on the six train. You understand? <laughs> like, like, she was on the six train. And, like, that's the thing that I want people to realize of every race, of every social economic background, like you, everybody has that six train moment, you know, whether you want to embrace it or not, whether you come from access and wealth, everybody has that moment where they sitting and they're looking at their life and they're like, I need something more. I, you know, I need to do more. I need to be better. I need to have more impact. And so, yeah, that, 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 that's what, that's what it's all about. Mm. And definitely, like you said, you know, even people that say never even went through those quote unquote tough moments like we might have mm-hmm. been through, even when they got it like that, it's, it's something going to hit you in the back of your head because it's, it's like <laughs> life is unstable. Yeah, life life is just unstable. Now, I, I was watching um, a, a while back an interview with, with David Letterman and Melinda Gates, and, and she was just talking about the need for you know, her her push to put more females in tech, I think she's been given to a lot of HBCUs for that that, that purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said earlier, again, in the, in the first part of the interview, I, I think he definitely a pioneer on, on that side. And I would just say, what things would you maybe recommend for other females? And, and not just females, mm-hmm. I, I would say anybody, uh, you know, thinking of, of, of tech-oriented fields. I know some people are just like, you know, that's too much. I'd rather not. I just do what I know how to do. But, you know, mm-hmm. can you share some enlightenment? That is some skill there, too. Absolutely. You know, the first thing is get over the intimidation. You know, mm-hmm. um, I hate math. I'll say it with conviction. <laughs> Like, I never, like, I, I was a biology major when I went into college. I mm-hmm. dropped out of my major because I couldn't get past my math classes. Like, so, mm-hmm. you know, who would have thought 
some odd years later, I would be circling back and being in like a STEM profession, right? Um, so yeah. I would say, get over, get over that, right? Get over that, right? Like if you can um, be innovative, like Steve Jobs says, you know, innovation is the thing that distinguishes the leaders from the followers, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you can, if you can solve a problem, right, in your in your field and do it manually, I say take the next step and think about, well, how could I incorporate tech to solve the same problem, right? Um, and build it, right? And so I always believe that you surround yourself with people that are smarter than you, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you don't know it, surround yourself with people who do know it um, so that you can either A, learn it from them or you can create a space to bring all of the pieces of the puzzle together. Um, and so that's the other piece of it. When I decided to create and develop the technology, which was birthed out of the lack of diversity in media spaces and being able to create an automated solution for that. Um, mm-hmm. I remember starting working with a couple of folks at Google and I was like, yo, these dudes gotta be getting over on me. Like, like they're not <laughs> being fully transparent right mm-hmm. and so um i started doing research and i found um the general assembly they had classes on product management project management coding so i took all of those classes right mm-hmm. um, and half the time i didn't know what the hell these people were talking about scripts and all this you know whatever <laughs> but i knew that i wanted to create this thing right and mm-hmm. i knew that i had the system in my mind I just needed the people that could automate the system for me. But in Mm -hmm. order to do it efficiently, I needed to know something about the industry. So I started Googling, taking classes, and then I started to just surround myself with people. I was going to tech conferences, um, a tech conference that really changed and positioned this technology. I went to Black Women Talk Tech, and I was there Mm -hmm. covering it, actually, um, an article, a piece I wrote. Um, turning um, adversity into opportunity for this digital platform called Bold TV. And I wrote an article, but anyway, I'm in this conference mm-hmm. and the guy is on the stage. He venture capitalist, invests in a few technologies, and he's talking about how to get people behind your tech. And he was like, well, if you can service the individual, that's cool. If you can service the group, that's even better. But if you can service the enterprise, then, you know, you hitting it at all ends and VCs are going to be excited to invest or back your product. And so mm-hmm. as he's saying this, I'm like, yo, what I want to create is services all free, you know, and. I ended up, and again, this is where the unapologetic piece of knowing like your purpose and something. Um, Mm -hmm. I took a picture of him and what he said, I quoted him and I tagged him on Instagram. He DM me. And when he DM me, I said, hey, I'm writing this piece um, for this platform. I would love to quote you. He said, sure. He said, and if you ever need anything else, you know, um, hit me up. I said, well, actually, (laughs) 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 I do need need something, you know? And, um, you know, I I told him really briefly a little bit about the idea because he hadn't signed the NDA yet. And he's like, well, why don't you come down to, because um, I was in New York at the time. He said, why don't you come down to Tyson's Corner, pitch to me. My, my attorney will be there. So I had them sign the NDA and everything, pitch to them. They loved it. And they built my MVP for me, you know? And so just by being in the space, right? And you have to intentionally position yourself in these spaces. You got to go to the 
the white conferences, right? You got to go to the conferences where people be looking at you like, what you doing here? Um, and you got to be okay with that, you know, because that a lot of times is where you'll get your opportunity. So I think a long way to answer your question was, you know, I just saw that it was that I could be a solution to a problem. And I knew that technology would be the way to solve it. And so I then just surrounded myself with people that could build it because that wasn't in my necess not necessarily my skill set. And you dropped a bunch of nuggets in there, like you said, uh, I, I, you got to surround yourself in the in the place you want to be. Um, mm -hmm. Like you said, you know, whatever you want to call it, white conference, whatever conference, it's industry leading conferences. Get there because that's where the people in the industry are going to be. You got to get over yourself. And mm -hmm. that's what, you know what I mean? If that's what you want to do, you, you got to gotta be where the, where, the, where the sharks are, you know? So, you know, I, I, I definitely, <laughs> I definitely. Listen, Keith. That ego yeah. is a killer. That ego, yeah. ego is a killer. Like you gotta be okay with like, like I got to the point where I was in my circles and I'm like, yo, I don't want to know everything. <laughs> you got like, I, like I want somebody to sell something into me, you know. And, and, and what you don't understand with that is being the smartest person in the room, and I, and I know it claim to be that, but I'm just saying, always being that guy or that girl, mm. you're going to run out of energy. Nobody's filling your tank up. So, you know, you got to take a break. Now, one thing you said in there is like, you know, you, you get these ideas and I don't want that point to get lost because a lot of people don't do this. I see this a lot too. You know, they have a great tech idea, give it away. NDA, can you let them know what that is a little bit real quick? <laughs> no, non-disclosure, you know, let them know what that is. Come on, get your non-disclosure agreements and your non-competes ready to go, you know? Um, um, you know, this way the militant side of Crystal comes out, you know, um, my dad's family, right? They mm -hmm. were tobacco sharecroppers in the South, right? When tobacco wow. was popping, like when everybody was smoking cigarettes, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, because they were um, positioned in an indebted system, you know, they created all of these systems where a lot of white families became multimillionaires, if not billionaires, off of the crops wow. that we were growing and cultivating, right? And mm -hmm. um, I, I, I think about the ingenuity of my grandfather, who he was the, his mom was a slave, right? Um, mm -hmm literally a slave um yeah. he could not read uh he ended yeah. up acquiring 14 acres of land he ended up buying his family out of debt or whatever but even looking at everything that he did as an innovator and how mm -hmm. he didn't even make a third right of what, what he, he deserved deserve. because he didn't own his intellectual property he couldn't it was illegal mm -hmm. for him to even be able to have any rights in the south at that time right and wow. so I look at that and, you know, um, I was very diligent about getting those. I, I do not have a not one conversation about my technology without having an NDA signed and a non-compete. Um, but outside of that, I also um, one of those moments, this wasn't in journalism, but it was in tech where I had like this um, pinch yourself moment like you talked about. Mm -hmm. um, when I filed for my patent, like, so I have a patent, <laughs> you know, when, when, listen, with the U.S. government and um, that for me was like a thing, right? Like, yeah. you know, to, to patent, you know, anything and, you know, I do believe my patent will get approved, but, you know, to patent anything is like, yo, like you're an inventor and, mm -hmm. I think about how many um, people of color, specifically black people, um, invented so much 
that makes our society move, right? That they never mm-hmm. got credit for, that they never got paid for. And so um, in, I, I, I encourage people, don't be afraid to share your ideas. Just make sure that you protect your ideas. And exactly. you can do that very simply. There's so many templates. I would always advise to hire an attorney because I do have an intellectual property attorney. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, if you can't afford that, go on Google and get something on paper. <laughs> and if, if anything, you put that line in there that says, if you if any of my ideas right that that you were not privy to before our conversation become a part of any invention that you create i own it you know even if that's the line you got to put in there then do that if you can't afford to get someone to protect your rights or your interests um but yeah man like um once you got that nda share your ideas you never know who's gonna be um who's gonna be willing to support you and and help you get it off the ground I'm telling you, that's a million dollar gem because, <laughs> again, the, the the thing is, is where we come from, right? Every every, we not trusting. We we not trusting anybody too much mm-hmm. or anything. So if we got something hot, I, I'm not going to tell. But again, when I don't tell anybody, you're not going to get any funding. Absolutely. Do it right. Protect yourself. We just try and help you get get what you try and get out here. Now you said one thing. You saw you you, you saw a, a, a need out there, and you attacked it. You attacked it with this uh, EBO website, the Executive Booking Online. So hey, tell us tell us about that a little bit. That's you know that's Come what excites me. So you know how you you know how how does it work? You know you, you got it all automated. How do it work? Mm-hmm. Now can I can I sign up and you know get to or something? Absolutely, you can. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm trying to grow a little something, so I'm, I'm trying to be. A, I'm trying to be a customer. I'm have me on a commercial. I'm not always yes. quiet. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Sign up. Yeah, man. Like it's crazy. Um, like I said, you know, I was in the newsroom for almost a decade, and mm-hmm. um, I was the only black woman in my newsroom the entire time. And um, in that space, what I realized was it wasn't necessarily. Um, I mean, people talk about conscious bias, unconscious bias, whatever term you want to put on it. All I know is, is that um, a lot of people that were getting featured on air um, were simply coming from the same person's Rolodex over and over and over and over again. And I was like, yo, there are so many more qualified, dope, amazing contributors in every industry across the globe outside of that person's Rolodex. So why aren't we accessing them? And I realized it was because there was no one in the room to bring them in like me, you know. And so then I started to think, well, Crystal, what happens when you're no longer in the room? How will these people get access to these platforms? So, you know, whether it was me booking people for my news feature or for my podcast or even as a producer booking um, content contributors for the platform, I was like, you know, one, um, not only is there a lack of, you know, diverse perspectives and conversations because there's no one bringing folks in, but also I was like, there's an easier way to do this. You know, like we're doing it the 1995 way. And so um, as, as, as I was in this place, in this space, I was just thinking, how can we do this better? How can it be more broad? How can more people have access to opportunities? And so I just started to automate my mind, man. Like the way I, the way I was doing it, it was very efficient. Um, it was very um, quick. 
you know, quick. And um, it also was covering a broader range of perspectives. And so um, I started to just write down my processes. And, and it was crazy because the book ties into this. The way I started to get this bug for technology wasn't until of recent. Um, I was really initially trying to figure out a way to make my book, like all the affirmations and quotes and stuff in my book, an app. And, um, but I really couldn't figure out how to monetize it, right? Like, and I mean, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I mean, I like giving back in some ways, but like, I need to get paid. God paid so, <laughs> so I'm like, listen, if I'm gonna create a technology, right, I'm gonna get that, I'm gonna get that bread. Like, you don't go into tech yeah. to be like broke, like, you go into tech to make money, you go into t- to tech to, to, to not only be innovative, but you do it to create one of the only ways that specifically black people can actually create some level of generational wealth is through invention right Mm -hmm. or innovation as they say it or it's through real estate or it's through inheritance right so most Mm -hmm. of the folks i know ain't inherit ain't inheriting nothing right and this is statistically like you could find the data on this right we're not like when they say all my daddy left me was alone right um (laughs) (laughs) you know so you know, it's like going into this in this space, right? I knew that um, media, you can make some money. It depends on how you position it. But if you create a technology, like you're going to create wealth. And um, so all that to say to answer your question, EDO is there, expertbookingsonline.com. Um, people can go, they can sign up. You can fill out a free form. It's a little video you can watch to figure out what it is to see if you are eligible to get vetted because um, we are bringing on people that can go onto national platforms, radio, television, virtual broadcasts around the world. And one thing that was beautiful about COVID, you know, as I was seeing this happen, I was like, yo, this is the time right now for this technology. Right now. Right, right now. now, you know, and I was like, I just pulled up my, what they say, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And I said, <laughs> well, we gonna do this. And um, yeah, so that's what it is. And 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 it's a platform. Also, um, I, the broader vision of it is um, I am going to do something here in Baltimore, um, an okay. initiative. Yeah, where like the 10 pillars of technology, everything from automation to virtual reality, um, uh, all those different the 10 prongs of that, I want to be able to create a space where people can come from different corporations, different industries, and figure out how they can incorporate that into their industry, like via the tech firm. Um, And so I'm actually going to be working with the Chamber of Commerce here in Baltimore to do that. Um, So the broader vision is to be able to go into cities like our hometown and really see the opportunity that exists and engaging with uh, different agencies like... um, workforce development agencies and Mm -hmm. even some you know school systems on the post um secondary level and say hey guys you know send your most talented people who wouldn't mind being you know employees and growing and scaling with a company but giving them the opportunity to create um or innovate their industry and then they own a portion of the patent that they create for this actual entity so the employer rent wins as well as the employee and so that's what i see myself doing on a broader scale with this. Yeah, I, I see the same thing. I work even in my full time, like, you know, having those ideas and, and you know, like you're saying, it'll be a good to have that, that kind of that conduit where it's like, hey, if I give you this idea, you make millions because I know this is going to change the industry. You know, mm-hmm. I have the tools. I have an idea. You know, let's mm-hmm. talk business. 
So. <laughs> and, and, and but and the thing is, is that you know most of the people that had the ideas don't have the capital or access to the capital. So it's a win-win for both, right? So the employer can say, well, you know, commit that particular person to a certain amount of time. It's what people been doing forever, right? Yeah, and then saying, yeah. okay, you know, but we'll give you the we'll incentivize this by you know letting you have some level of ownership because then you want to continue to grow and scale with the company while you also mm -hmm. create some level of wealth for your family and, and 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 your legacy as well so man listen it's it's wide open out here like you know and it, it is it like, is you know keith like if folks aren't and it's for black people because i'm speaking to my folks right now you know right. it's a unique time in society um for you to be heard and for you to be supported you know um mm -hmm. people are Definitely. actively engaging and supporting black narratives black missions black vision and if you don't and and, and i hate when i hear people say well i don't want to be the token i don't give a damn about being the token like i know at the end of the day my intention and what i'm going to do with being the token so if going mm -hmm. into an environment and getting what you already deserve means that mm -hmm. someone labels you as a token but you can change your community you would be a fool not to do it so mm -hmm. you know if anything i want people to really take advantage of all of this funding that's being put behind black innovators right that's being put mm -hmm. behind you know black girls that code or um i know um uh what's his name um from baltimore um russell simmons cousin um kevin lyles kevin he had, I, yeah you know he had um minority um minority um, makers or something like that, where he was mentoring like 300 young men from Morgan State and helping them get into um, science, technology, engineering, and math, right? And so, you know, if you're not taking advantage of these opportunities while they're present, you're foolish, right? Because mm -hmm. it's the time to kind of be, to be able to capitalize on what's happening in society. And though the circumstances that have led up to it, you know, weren't necessarily positive, why not eat while you can? Because I personally don't know how long this movement to supporting Black causes and Black innovation, how long that's going to last. So I just think the time is now for us to get get on that get on that bandwagon and take advantage of it. And to your point, you know that that that's a national thing. So that's not just a more if you're in New York or wherever you are. You know what I mean? That's national. Yeah. So you know, check that out wherever you are, because again, like what she's saying. You know that those programs are, are out there. So, mm -hmm. man, Crystal, I appreciate you so much. You know, this has been fun chopping it up with you. Just, yes. you know, just giving us major gems and writing books, websites. <laughs> you got anything else coming up? Any? Um, you just said you're coming to Baltimore, maybe with some classes. But you know, what what else you got going on? Any philanthropy going on out that way? Well, you know, well, I'm always. I'm about to say, yo, your work is philanthropy, but. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think one thing, I, I did a mission trip um, to Haiti in 2018 where we were putting water systems in some communities in Haiti. And I want to do more of that kind of work. Um, but right now, honestly, Keith, I want to get this tech launched. I want to get people signed up. I want to get people engaged. Um, and, and, um, you know, I'm always doing stuff behind the scenes that I don't really talk about, you know, as far as I'm like, sure, help, sure. you know, like helping folks however I can. But, um, 
um, you will definitely be one of the first to know once the initiative yeah. comes to Baltimore, um, because I would love for you to be engaged um, in what you're okay. doing and see how we can collaborate. Um, but man, this is good. I'm proud of you. I'm excited. For what you're doing. Yeah, it, it's crazy. It's the same thing, man. Just giving back. You know, somebody took a chance, and, and like mm-hmm. you said, those those mentors showed me something different. Mm-hmm. Something I never knew was a lane out there. And then when I got it, I saw the world. You know what I mean? So. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, like you said, you, you sit down and you start like, okay, it's not about the money. It's not about this. You know, what's my purpose? And mm. you know what? Same thing. I give it back. You know what I mean? Hopefully it helps somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I, I think one thing that was just on my heart, I just wanted to acknowledge too, you know, um, I am committed to like black fatherhood. I love to see what you, you've done with your son. And, uh, you know, you. that's a great thing. A lot of us from our generation didn't grow up with our dads in the home. And mm-hmm. um, I, I commend all of the black men out there raising strong black men, especially in today's exactly. society. So, um, you know, uh, I, I will get more engaged in bringing some of those programs back because I just think um, fathers need support as well um, as moms because there are a lot of black fathers out here doing their thing. So, um, yeah, just keep being an example, man, and, and, and keep keep making, you know, like you said, making us proud as well. I appreciate it. Shout out to James Tripp. I got to say, my daddy was a good daddy. Hey, come on, daddy. <laughs> I, I, all right, last question. I gotta ask you. I ask everybody on the show this before we go. And you from Zone Twenty Nine, right with me. So I know you're a sneakerhead. What is it? What's what's your favorite pair of kicks, sneakers? Or you know, you you be in them A list videos, so you know you you, you, you can put you can put the pumps in there too if, if you want. But. I mean, I love me a good shoe. I'm going to tell you because um, I, I love me a good shoe. But I would say I'm, it's weird. I'm like a Puma girl. Like, okay. I, yeah, like I kind of love Pumas. Like you could get a cute little Puma with, you know, a nice little workout outfit, a cute little cap. And so I'm all about like coordination. <laughs> so, okay, okay. So, 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 you know, so you, you keep, I never had a pair of Jordans in my life. Oh, uh, we might have to do something about that. <laughs> We might have to do something about that. Hey, <laughs> we're we gonna have to do a feature, an unbox feature with PBS Inspire. PBS Inspire, come on, look, like, give me my tour. Hey, we got, we got to work on that. We, we gonna have to work on sizes, sizes in the email. <laughs> hey, Crystal. I just want to thank you so, so much. Thank you for what you do, just, just in general. Thank you for being on the show. Uh, like I said, hey, and call me when you get a chance. Well, just let me know, not necessarily what you're doing over there, but even just mm. maybe even other resources, you know, out that way. Yeah, maybe, man, yeah, absolutely. Maybe, man. Yeah, let's yeah, stay connected. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. We will. <laughs> right, hey, I wish you luck, nothing but the best with EBO. I'm hey, look, I'm gonna sign up because I need some booking. I'm I'm I'm, I'm kind of bad up there. Help me out. Help me out. All right, I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. I'm doing that. Look, y'all hear this? Jordan's and sign up. It, it's tough life. <laughs> Go after what you want in life, but they never said it'll be easy. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. All right, Crystal. Hey, I appreciate you. You have a good one. Much success. All right. All right, for sure. Thanks for having me. See you soon. All right. Good luck. All right. <laughs>